Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Mental Wellness Mondays and we're here with our lovely Dr. Nirai, who is once again very tardy. I mean, we're going to have to sit you down after this and take you to the principal's office. That's neither here nor there, Dr. Phil, you fail to understand. Dr. Nirai is never late. We were just a little too early. Yes. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate you understanding me. <laughs> Dr. Uriah is, is the Rihanna basically of podcasts. So, you know, that's how we. Wow. <laughs> that's that's some intense uh, kudos there. Oh, wow. Rihanna of podcasts. <laughs> and today we're joined with a very, very special guest, an international guest. Uh, my name is Carolyn Nivlin. Um, Dan, what, what did she say we, we shouldn't call her? Uh, Kaza. You can't call it Kaza. So, <laughs> let's make sure we don't do that. Uh, and Karen Nivlin is a, a certified life coach. She's also got a number of accolades. She's a, a Georgetown University graduate. Georgetown are the Bulldogs, correct? That is correct. Uh, yeah. Wow. Go, go, go Bulldogs. Go uh, Bulldogs. I, I, I only know the, the Georgetowns because they've got they got a limited edition Jordan pair that I have. I love those shoes. Ah. <laughs> wow. she, she, she also has experience in theater, marketing, office administration, human resources, retail and non-profit management and higher education. And she's here to, to talk to us about fear and being fearless, how to recognize and manage fear. Uh, and this is perfect because, you know, with all the load shedding we have, well, I don't know if you're familiar with this concept, but over here we have inconsistent electricity supply. So sometimes it tends to go mm. in the middle of the night and it really scares me when my nightlight goes off. How do I handle that? <laughs> that's, that's not the real question. Recognize that. <laughs> that's not a real, please you don't, recognize don't it. dignify <laughs> that with, a, with an answer, please. I'm begging you. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's already going into coach mode and I'm going to tell you what to do <laughs> well thank you very much for joining us just to assure you we, we do take this podcast very seriously we just like to throw a few jokes here and there um, but we are, we are very happy that you are here and you're able to speak to us now um, reading your bio I found it very fascinating that this was not the direction you had initially decided to go with your life and it wasn't mm-hmm. until you attended a workshop that you realized that this is what you wanted to do. Could you tell us the story of how that happened? Sure, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so grateful for this opportunity, first of all. Um, And my story basically is my sister, I was turning 50 and my sister bought me a trip to a yoga retreat center called Kripalu. It's in the Berkshires in Western Massachusetts in the States. And we were trying to decide on a program. We both kind of guessed about the same program we wanted to attend. Well, at this workshop, they have different um, speakers and guests that come there. And the one we both chose basically independently, but conferred with each other because we were too scared (laughs) to admit that we wanted to attend this program was called Fearless Living. And it was um, Rhonda Britton is the author of the book Fearless Living, and she was speaking um, at this retreat. So we decided to attend and it was life changing. 
Um, I think I've heard that before, but never understood what it meant till I attended this workshop. Uh, Rhonda spoke about fear in a way I had never uncovered before. And in listening to her and in sharing stories with others and going through exercises, I realized that fear and especially expectations, which is something that sometimes happens when you're living in fear, you can end up living in expectation, um, really resonated with me. So I found it very moving. And I decided to attend a second workshop. This was in early September. And by November, early November, I went to L.A. for a Fearless um, Foundations workshop. And I found out there I wanted to be, much to my surprise, a life coach. And so this set me on the path that I believe I was truly intended to follow. Well, okay. So what do, what do you do then? How do you help people? Life coach sounds sure. so, sounds very um, like it's something I hear quite often. But how do we specifically? Sure. Yeah. Sure. That's a great question. I think many people don't know what life coaching is. Um, and it, it basically, in a nutshell, we guide people to... I would say in my case, my brand of coaching, we guide people towards what their purpose is, and that is what their soul's purpose is in life. So maybe they've for a long time desired to have a certain career or wanted a relationship or um, wanted to pursue a hobby. It could be anything, but it's something that resonates with them that maybe they just haven't felt they could successfully pursue. They haven't been confident about making those choices or they've heard those voices of fear inside, which is most often the case saying, you're not good enough. You can't do this, um, creating a lot of self-doubt. And so my purpose is to sit with them, talk with them, find out what it is they want to pursue. And sometimes when the client comes to you, they don't know exactly what it is they want to do, but through the process of coaching, it's uncovered. And this is different from therapy. Therapy does focus more on the why and the past. Coaching tends to focus on the now. And one misconception about life coaching is that we're going to tell you we're going to tell you the answers. But the truth is, through a series of questioning from which I have been trained, I went through a certified training program um, and get, garnered nearly 100 hours of coaching before I was allowed to coach independently. Um, through that training, you, you hone your skills in how to help people um, talk through their issues, figure it out, figure out what it is they want, and you empower them to find those answers. And there are techniques and skills to encourage that, that they will learn along the way that you help them develop. <clears throat> okay. Okay. Um, I think as Dan alluded to, um, I think popular culture and TV has kind of given life coaches some sometimes a, a negative 
portrayal almost as if it's very abstract or or airy-fairy. So as someone who does this as a profession, um, what techniques can people practically use to see the value in life coaching? Or what examples can you point to to say um, the the work that I've done with, with clients has helped them go from A to B? Sure. That's an excellent question. Thanks, Phil. Um, I have a couple examples. So I have some clients that I've worked with during short periods of time and some that have been with me since the beginning. So for one, um, one client came to me, it was one of my, it was actually my second client. I still coach her and she really wanted to be able to tell her story. Um, She had some things in her past and she wasn't sure she could overcome those or share those because society might judge her differently. And in that case, it took a long time for her to build confidence, to kind of dig in deep and get in touch with her emotions. So life coaching isn't a one and done. Some people come with a very specific goal. And that might be a case where they just want help in a certain circumstance. But most of the time, it is a longer term commitment. And by that, I mean, I would say minimally, they probably need 12 sessions um, to just even start to uncover, get used to it, um, figure out their own desires, let their inner voice out because you build a trust with your client. So for that client who wanted to tell her story, um, she has already taken a career change and is desiring to become a health coach herself. And she is in full pursuit of that now. And that happened in less than two years. Um, And she is much more confident and she is at the precipice of starting to share her story with clients, which was a huge accomplishment for her. I had another client who Um, she was a spiritual leader in her country and she wanted to share with people some of what she saw as maybe a failing in her spiritual leadership position. And we basically had ended up having an intense and wonderful conversation about was she holding herself to the standard of God and God being in this case, whatever you define that as Um, for some people, that's a religious God. For some people, it's a spiritual God. For some people, it's a state of wellness. But in her case, she was comparing herself to God. And she said, the question that changed her is I asked her, um, was she unfairly comparing herself to someone she could not live up to? And where was her humanity? How did that fit in? And she said, basically balancing between humanity and Christianity, when she realized that she was doing something comparing herself and not in a boastful way to God, she realized that if she allowed her humanity through, that would be something that her followers, she led a women's group, um, could relate to. And she ended up going on a 
on an interview show sharing her story because she had struggled with depression and it had been looked down upon in her community. And she balanced that humanity and told people basically sent the message that I'm not trying to be God. I'm trying to be my human self and live in the image of God. And this is something that enabled me to get there. Mm. So her session, her growth happened in a shorter period of time. She only saw me for about three weeks. I mean, I'm sorry, three months. And she had been coached before. So I think she had been trained in certain ways and was able to grasp the concepts much more quickly. Um, So it depends on a person's pace. And again, we guide them, but they really direct uh, where they want to go. And we just support them. Um, So based on on what you just said, would you advise coaching to occur in conjunction with some form of traditional therapy? Or would you want? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Oftentimes there are people who come to a coach seeking coaching and through the process, we may be as coaches, we may end up coaching them towards therapy. It just depends on the situation. Some people are reluctant. I mean, as you know, speaking of mental health, There are often stigmas associated with coaching, with therapy, with any type of help. But the truth is no one, and this was one of my biggest takeaways from my training, no one can be fearless alone. Mm -hmm. You need support, whether it's, and from all forms, whether it's friendship, whether it's therapy, some, some clients are doing therapy and coaching. Because again, if it's something you realize they've had a trauma in their life, And that's part of what's impeding them from moving forward. I am not skilled in the way a therapist is to heal that trauma. I can help them feel through some of their trauma and hold space for them to experience feelings that come up. But I don't have the expertise that allows a therapist to actually um, get to the root cause of the trauma if that makes sense. Mm. It, it does make sense. So uh, it sounds very much uh, that probably the, the, the most, if I were to distill everything you've mentioned into one word, is it's that you help your clients overcome their fears yes. so that they can become their Absolutely. best selves. Um, mm-hmm. So having had uh, many hours of dealing with people and so on, and obviously without getting into people's private issues, I would be keen to know what, are the main, maybe top two, top three fears that you've seen are holding people back? What is, what is it that people are afraid of? And the reason I ask is because I'm wondering if there's someone who's listening right now who, who will be very quickly able to, to recognize that that's exactly what I'm afraid of. And maybe that's something that can help them also overcome their own fears and, you know, do the whole life thing. Absolutely. Um, I would say probably the top three that I've personally encountered, and I have mostly coached women. Um, I would love to coach some male clients, and that's something I'm in development of. Um, And I feel I could coach anyone. However, for females, um, what I have encountered mostly is the feeling of not being good enough. That is a pervasive fear. 
for women. Some of it is societal. There's lots of messaging that can sometimes um, cause a woman to believe in a certain situation she's not as good as a man. There's some historical um, proof of that. But mostly that not good enough is from something that happened. We all have a primary fear. Um, in Rhonda's teaching, she talks about the wheels of fear. And that's a whole cycle. That's something I teach. And that can con- kind of unlock something. So if you think of an individual, each person kind of has a primary thing they don't want others to think about them. So in my case, it was the fear of being thought of as stupid. That's my number one fear. Most of the time for people, this is something that is not true about them, but somewhere that doubt or a message was given to them, maybe by their parents, it could have been inadvertent. Um, But something was behaviorally developed where they suppress uh, anything that has to do with that fear. And so it's it's in their subconscious, Mm. if that makes sense. And then by figuring that out, I was like, oh, well, that's actually not something people think about me. However, in the back of my mind, there's always been a need for me to prove myself in a certain way. And I think for women, that's very pervasive is that fear of not being good enough. Is that the the other same, is, fear, sorry, before you move on, is that the same as imposter syndrome? I wouldn't say it's identical, but it is something that occurs when people feel they have imposter syndrome. Fair. Please, Because they're ahead, thinking yeah. they're it's not always not good enough, I think, with imposter as much as it might be they're not capable or they're in a position they don't deserve. Mm, I see. So along with that, the other primary one that I see a lot with with women is especially in a work environment is the needing to know something before they can actually know it. Like they want to come to work prepared for a new job, even though they've never done this job before. So there's this, and and that might delve into a little bit more of the imposter syndrome, this feeling of, I need to know how to do this, even though truthfully, if you've never done something before, no matter how old you are, you, you have no reason to have to know it before you begin it, if that makes sense. So it can get complicated and it gets very personalized. There are some common fears that um, come up, of course, but how the experience goes for each person is different. So I mentioned two clients, one taking um, three months, the other were on two years. And we've, of course, uncovered other things in that. Um, It's all about the support you need. I mean, maybe one had a more supportive environment. And that's the primary thing coaches provide. They provide support for you while you're going through things. And in most people's lives, they rarely have devoted space and time that is just for them. If you are a family person, a mother, a husband, a daughter, a son, 
somebody at work on a team. There's a lot of different people you interact in. So to truly carve out a space as an adult where you have devoted time, and in my case, my sessions are an hour, where literally I am there for you. It's not about me at all. The time is for them. Hmm. So that is something where the coaching really helps them deal with these things in depth. Okay. So uh, I have two two questions. I think the first one I would ask is, who would you say needs coaching or who would be the ideal client to get coaching from you? For me personally or in general? Um, I think let's generalize it. So, um, sure. yeah, in, in the world at large, who would you say mm-hmm. if someone is listening to this, but they're not too sure whether or not mm-hmm. coaching is right for them, who would you say coaching is tailor-made for or who should be looking to get coaching? That's an excellent question. I feel that anyone who could answer any of the following questions um, to themselves, even if they haven't shared it with someone else, they could be an ideal candidate for coaching. Um, So if they ask themselves, is there something I long to do or have wanted to do and have been unable to do? no matter how hard I try, if they say yes to that, absolutely, they're a candidate for coaching. Is there something I wish to pursue in life, a relationship, a career, um, a family, any of those, anything that they wish to pursue? And the inner voice tells them, what would other people think? Or I can't because somebody would judge me. That's a perfect candidate for coaching. Okay, perfect. Um, I think also on on the podcast, uh, we like to provide like practical examples of what these sessions would do. So, if you're up to it, would you mind doing a bit of role play with us? Sure. Pro- professional, Absolutely. of course. Professional, of course. Professional. So, so, all professional. You know, <laughs> Doctor Yara, please feel free to also chime in. You know. Especially because, I mean, she's throwing shots at therapy. I'm sure you heard her, Dr. Nirai. Oh, coaching is better than therapy. I'm better than you. So you can always defend, you know. (laughs) Um, So I I think um, starting at home, I think the perfect example would be something that I'm dealing with. So I've got a project that I've been struggling to finish. And it's now fearful. Now, Now I think about the deadlines and, oh, my gosh, I'm really behind on this. This needs to get done. And I'm struggling with that. Um, and I come to you and I'm like, hey, every time I try to sit down to do this project, I get writer's block or I find something else to do. It's just not getting done. It's causing me all this anxiety. I'm losing sleep. How can you as a coach help me get over this fear and ultimately complete this project? I would ask you, Bill, what if you had a magic wand and you could wave that magic wand and all the things that block you. Now, maybe writer's block, we'll, we'll have to have a little discussion about that. But you said the anxiety. So let's wave the magic wand. All the anxiety is gone. Mm-hmm. This was easy. All oh, the my things- God. oh, we're still going. Sorry. <laughs> magic. <laughs> all, the- 
<laughs> all the things you you've been feeling every time you start this project have disappeared. Mm-hmm. What would that look like for you? Infinite time. I think if I infinite if I, if, if I could have infinite time, all my problems would be solved. So if you were immortal, <laughs> that would solve all your problems. Yes. Would there be any problems that would arise with immortality? Think about all the people in your life that you would that would leave you because they're not immortal and you are. I'll make new friends and it's part of life. (laughs) (laughs) It's just part of life. (laughs) So yeah. Um obviously that would be a negative. Losing those relationships um would Mm -hmm. be would be a negative. Um but the biggest the biggest headache or struggle that I feel I have is every day you I have a, a set list of things that need to be done. So I've got a routine and a to-do list. But at the end of the day, okay. both the routine and both the to-do list are struggling to getting complete, right? Um, on a good day, I might finish the routine, but never the to-do list, which is fine. It's just that add a couple with the anxiety now, it kind of piles up. So you end up, sure. instead of completing 23 tasks during the week, maybe it's 20. And those last three now carry over to the next week. And then you've got the three plus the other 23. So now you get 26. And then the next week, you're now at 33. And then you're like, oh, geez, Louise. <laughs> okay. That's a great example. So when you say routine, I want you to define what that means to you. Does that mean that these are things you do regularly, habitually, that you don't have to think about? Or do they take time, you write them on your do, to-do list? Um, no. So let me, let me see if I can even show you. Let me see if I can show you. Okay. What, so I've got an app called Productive. So what I do, what, what, what I do with that is I set my, my routines. Let, let me see if you can see it here. Oh, there you go. So there's the camera. So like, yes. so like every day I wake up and it's got the thing. So I like, the first thing I do every day is meditate. Then I'll exercise, 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 and then learn something. And I've got, so within those, I know what I'm doing. So it's, it's not, okay. I'm, not I'm not thinking. So like if I meditate, okay. I'm just opening my meditation app. If I'm exercising, I'm, I'm just looking at my exercise schedule. If I'm learning something, I've got a routine for everything. So I do my Wordle, then I do my crossword. Wordle! Then, Love Wordle. <laughs> and, then, and, then, <laughs> and then I've got a few other quiz apps that I do. And, 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 then, and then he wonders why things don't get done. And then I've got brilliant. <laughs> so all this will take me like maybe 10 to 15 minutes. Then I'll, I'll start going into like the work of the day. So I've got um, a to do. I need to do my to do list. And then on, on my routine, it's to do at least three things on your to do list. Um, inbox zero and then other daily tasks. So that's how it goes. So okay. outside of the routine, there will be now the to do list itself, which is like the, the, stu- the, the non-regular static stuff that pops up. Like, hey, I just got an email. This person needs a proposal. This person wants to schedule a meeting, blah, 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 blah. So I'll then refer to my to-do app and say, okay, these are the three things from the to-do list that I'm doing today. And then once I complete those, I go back to this. 
So um, the habitual stuff, I've done it this way. So I never have to think about it. All I'm doing is I'm literally just going through the motions. Excellent. Excellent. The habitual routine, that's clear from your mind. So it's just something that's there and you don't have to think about it. So if it is habitual and routine, Phil, do you do you do them at the same time every day? Relatively. So I try not to be too militant with it, but they're all in some form of sequence. So there might be a day where like usually on Tuesdays, because we record the podcast, I sleep two hours later than I normally go to bed. So I'll wake up two hours later than I normally do. Okay. So instead of meditating at 6 a.m., I'm meditating at 7 or 8 a.m. Um, mm-hmm. And then the exercise is because I know it's going to be a longer day. It's going to be a shorter exercise routine. So I might just do like stretches in the morning. So at least I, I, I do something. And then I work through that that way. So at the very least, even if I'm just doing one thing out of those things, I'm doing it so that on my, the reason why I did it this way is so that I'm always doing one one thing of the the bigger things because all of these tie into the annual goals and the life goals and the quarterly goals. So for me to reach those quarterly goals, I have to do one of these every day because they're tied to those. Okay. So you mentioned doing one of those a day and doing like three things on your to-do list. Yes. After you accomplish Let's take the exercise. You've done at least one thing. So how do you feel when you're like, well, at least I've gotten one thing done? Well, that's very good. And also the app is very good at rewarding because, you know, there's sparkling lights and there's a notification and it it tells you. So you feel like you've accomplished something. Yeah. (laughs) Excellent. So how about when you even when you have 20 things on the to do list and you do three is there some sort of something that gives you that feeling? Like, are you like, yes, I did three. Yeah. Or are you like, I did three and there's still 17. Which do you focus on more? Um, I think I've, I've, I've become good at conditioning myself to, to just saying focus on the wins. Um, so I think that's okay. I think the biggest headache or the biggest struggle that I'm having with is deep work. So taking the time out every day where I can do like 90 minutes of uninterrupted deep work because the deep work is what I need to do to complete this project. And that's, that's where the struggle is. It's like, sometimes you, you, you're just not in the right mindset or sometimes there's a client who's on you there and then, or you just can't find the time or you are just tired. Or I find myself distracting myself and you're like, wait a minute, why, why, why have I spent, 30 minutes going down this rabbit hole as to what causes cysts or something, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. are you, do you, so there's an, you want 90 minutes of deep work. Yeah. Is that the most important thing for you in the day? And I'm asking for you, who decided the project? You said this is related to a bigger project. Um, So I did. Okay. So you wanted the project. Do you still want the project the same way as when you started it? I do. Yes. Okay. So is the 90 minutes the most important thing? Yes. Right now it is. Yes. Okay. So that's, is it safe to say, and I don't want to put words in your mouth. Is that your priority? 
Is that what you would identify as your priority each day is 90 minutes of uninterrupted deep work. So that's where the caveat is. So what I'm struggling with now is, and as much as I want to do the deep work, the project itself doesn't keep my company running. Keeping mm. my clients satisfied keeps my company running. So I'm, uh. I'm, now, I'm, I'm now in this tug of war where I'm like, this has to be done because I've set myself a goal and a timeline to get it done. But at the end of the day, I literally can't afford to not pick up that call because that call from the client is what allows me to have the resources to do the project and also pay the employees. So it's this, it's this mm. weird catch 22 and I'm struggling to find the balance because ultimately I do want to get the project done. But first and foremost, I'm responsible for people's livelihoods and my own. Excellent. That's, that's great awareness that you have. So, and then what I'm hearing is that it's actually most important that you talk to your clients, that you make the time for your clients. Hmm. I, I suppose so. I guess. <laughs> it's the and conviction you, really that drives him, you know? <laughs> so even well, within, even it, within, it's hard. So he, he has a lot of real things, right? Mm -hmm. All those things are real for yeah. you. All those tasks, all those routines, all those, but there are choices to make. Mm, definitely. And the choice, that's why I'm asking you about this project, because it sounds to me the project is a goal and there's a timeline that you said, and it's important to you personally to meet that. Mm. Yes, it is. Why is it important to you? Yeah. Um, outside of personal commitment, I do have external commitments because I'm not the only person who's part of this project. Um, okay. so, so there are people that I'm, I'm answerable to as well. Okay. So if those people were not in the project, would you let it go? This is just you here. <laughs> Uh, Asking yourself, would you let it go? It doesn't mean it doesn't have any importance for you. I hear there's an importance. No, I, I, I definitely would not let it go. It, it, it matters okay. a great deal to me. So I am trying to figure out a way to do it. So even like what you said with client work, I've even found I've been strategically mapping out ways to create barriers. So like I, I, I now have a dedicated work phone. Just, just as, as an example, I got a, a cold call from a client on, on Friday and they needed work ASAP and they offered a substantial amount of, of, of money to get the work done. And I had to tell them, we'll start it. But the moment the clock hits 5 p.m. on Friday, we're done and we're going to restart on Monday. And that took a lot because they were like, no, I'm just done. And so even within that, I'd be like, OK, that took a lot of work that that. But it had to be said and had to be done because I have to create these boundaries where even now when clients message after hours, I've now set it up where I don't even have to look at my phone. They get an order respond to, hey, we close right now. We'll get back to you at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. So they have been ways of separating. I think I'm getting better at it. It's just like at that last mile, that last mile of, sit, of just getting that, that, that deep work done. It's always been the headache. So now I'm, sure. I'm getting all this free, I'm free coaching. 
this is a, such a familiar conversation because I'm in the same space. Um, but I want to go back to ask the question, what was, uh, you know, when you initially started the project, what was the feeling that you had? Um, because I think it's now being buried by other things, fear, right? So, mm-hmm. so I want to, I want to ask is like, what was the initial spark that said, yeah, I want to do this project? Uh, I'll sound very cocky if I say it. Okay, please say it because you're amongst friends. You are. Am I real? <laughs> I, was, I was literally just listening to dum dums who don't know what they're talking about becoming thought leaders. I'm like, mm-hmm. you guys have no idea what you're doing. Oh gosh. Okay, fine. Let me just do it myself. <laughs> Great. But, ah, but I believe of, you've got a story to tell. You've got a story to tell. You've not, got- not necessarily that, but also I could see the bad, the bad advice people were giving was, 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 was actually costing people their livelihoods. So mm-hmm. it, it was, it was mostly like, you you guys are in a position of authority, but I don't think you you have the people's interest at heart. So it's fine. Let me do it myself. Okay. So, so you're, you're a servant leader. Yes. God, I'm, I'm far too. My ego's far too big to be a servant. I'm sorry. Not true. <laughs> Not true. Servant leader. Servant leader. <laughs> leader of servants. <laughs> You, you lead by doing. You saw there was something there. And I'm sorry, Naraya, if I cut you off, please continue. Okay. You were going to say something, I think. No, no, no. Keep going okay. and, uh, and telling him about him being a servant leader. <laughs> Excellent question, by the way, Dr. Narai. Um, Yeah, because remembering why you first engaged in the, the program can help you decide, is this still really what I want to do? It's okay to change your mind about something. And it sounds to me, Bill, you got quiet about your ego, (laughs) but it's not your ego. You're actually doing amazing things. And maybe you need to pause and give yourself an acknowledgement. I acknowledge you. I mean, even setting the boundaries, it sounds like each Each progression of this, you're doing something, you're conscious of how you are acting in the world, you're doing things to support others, your clients are highly important to you. Sounds like a great person. So do you give yourself actual real accolades for where after you set those boundaries and your client's still committed to the project? Did you go, woohoo, I honored my boundaries. Would that make it feel different? I, I, I usually just swallow my feelings in cheesecake. <gasps> oh, Phil, <laughs> <so> there it is. Because <laughs> that's the thing about fear of feelings. If you stuff them down with the cheesecake, it might taste better in the moment. And we've all done it. That's the thing. We're not alone. I struggle with that. I have emotional eating issues. And sometimes I'm like, oh, if I just have the cheesecake instead of feel this, I'll feel better. And I do for a second, but then it evaporates and I still have the same issue. So it's the awareness of it all. And you are aware. Mm. You really need to pat yourself on the back that you're aware of all these things. But it's about the choices and what do you really want to do? 
I can go down the wordle hole and start doing a crossword and start doing the next thing and be like, this is good for my brain because I'm aging. Mm. But at some point, am I neglecting something else that needs to be done? Is that another form of procrastination? Mm. And that's a form of fear. We all do that. Dr. Narai and I were talking about that this weekend. We all procrastinate. It's it's a fear response, putting something off because we're afraid of the result or the outcome because we're focusing on the outcome. But what are you gaining in the process? Can I can I ask what what's the reward that is at the other end for you when it's done? Um, And are you afraid of that reward? Well, I've I've procrastinated so long, I've already bought the reward, so I I timed the re- the reward to come around my birthday, and I already got my myself a birthday gift. So, so. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, I think mm. you might need three months of sessions. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now do me, do me, now do me, do me. <laughs> no, but. but 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 fair enough. I, I actually actually I I I'm just even in this actually I I do see, um, what you're saying is I'm I'm not taking the time out to reward myself and acknowledge the progress I have made. So it creates this reinforcing negative cycle. So every time I think mm-hmm. I just get more and more anxious. You know, I believe we call that a breakthrough, Dan. Oh, lovely. You know, um, lovely. I, I mean, when, when you yeah. become as, as mindfulness and, and you know as self aware as me, you know, maybe you can also. Have this level of zen, mm. but, so <laughs> I can I can only aspire. Wow. I can only aspire. I would <laughs> only, you can only dream. You can only <laughs> you know? dream to get so zen. <laughs> the, the key to zen, but it's, then, it's such is, a real it, thing, right? Yeah, it's such a real fear. Um, yeah, yeah. We were just talking about it because I have a project, and it, it 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 I think it's an amazing opportunity. But I procrastinated from the very beginning. And to just to think to myself, what what do I fear? Uh, is there a fear of success? Right. That's, that's that's part of it. And then fear of letting these people down um, that you are. And I'm including you and I feel because I think the story are um, are similar. You know, is there fear of letting down these people? And then what's going to happen once I'm done with this project? Is there something else that's going to keep me busy? Mm. Um, and, and then, it, it, or maybe it's the fear of failure to say that you've put, you've, you've given yourself this goal. Um, and then what if it doesn't come out the way you've envisioned it in your mind? But I yeah. don't think that's even possible for, you know, for you, uh, for you, um, Phil, cause you're such a planner. You're very analytical and planning. Well, um, I, I do have exacting standards. So I, I always do have a, I always do have a fear of, um, producing something, producing something less than what I know I'm capable of. So the other day, mm. I got I, I myself like I was going through like some of some of the preparation notes, and I have, I have more preparation notes than I can ever read or go through. So mm. now, so then I I just thought myself like, okay, this is ridiculous. Put these to the side, just get started. And so that was what, great. Yeah. What do those notes help you do? Yeah. So it's it's just like 
it's like re- picking a piece of research. Like, oh, okay, that's an interesting piece of research. All right, I'm gonna. I need. I, I might need to refer to that later. Let me put that in my in my Evernote. And then you go through the Evernote, and you're like, wait a minute, there's like 300 notes in here. There's no way I'm gonna be able to read all this. This is ridiculous. <laughs> so yeah, I, so that you was that one before thing. you buy. You do that before you buy like shoes or equipment or something. Do you do that that amount of research? Do you do that in other uh, areas of your life? Yes and no. Yes. 100% yes. <laughs> yes. I, I, I was going to agree with you, Dan. I think so. Do you remember when we bought laptops, well, Philip? That was, that was a very harrowing time. Why was it harrowing, Dan? Because you had research on every single laptop that's ever been released in history. But anyway, that's... Okay, so uh, is the laptop you have, is it working fine? But it, it, we, that's the funny thing. We I, didn't I, even end up buying any of the laptops that we researched. Just the Google oh, best yes. laptop. Enter. Right. Um, that's the one we went with. <laughs> Bill, do you like research? Uh, a little. <laughs> I love research. I think we're kindred spirits. So the preparation, back to the preparation. What what are you thinking when you're doing research? Are you thinking, I want the best product? Let's take the laptop. Are you thinking, I am getting this for someone else, so it's got to be fully researched. I need options to present. What do you think goes through your head? Well, there's, there's a lot of things. So um, with the example that Dan brought up, which is incorrect, by the way, I, I don't like how he misrepresents me. Um, yeah, I feel it was accurate, but okay. In Zimbabwe, prices are extremely overinflated. So mm-hmm. buyer's remorse is something that I suffer from. Like if I buy something and I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have bought that. And it, it's, it's mm-hmm. the, sometimes even the small things. Like I remember, um, so a, a perfect example of this is just last week, um, I bought the wrong screen protector for my phone. So I had to get another one, but there's no Amazon here. So I had to go and buy it from a store. And when I went there, they were like, okay, we, we only have the screen protect, um, the privacy screen protector, which is like, so it won't allow someone who's to your left or your right to see what's on your phone. I was like, yeah, I don't, as long as it works, right? And they're like, no, it works fine, but we don't have an example for you. It looks great. The moment they put it on, I hated it because it, it made the screen look worse. So for a week, every time I looked at my phone, I was like, oh, I can't believe I spent money on this. Ah. That type of thing. Mm. So I don't want to do that. And on top of that, um, I also know that I I also am a very impulse buyer. So I research to stop myself from impulse buying because if I have the money in my pocket and I walk past the store and I see something that I want, particularly like sneakers, I'm gonna buy them. I won't even I won't even stop and think. And then when I leave, I'm like, damn it, I forgot to pay rent. Oh well, I'll figure it out. Is that how you got the the Air Jordans with the bulldogs on them? <laughs> uh, no, those, those are well researched. Um, I, I I had to pay a lot uh-huh. of people in, in in multiple countries <laughs> to get those. I was say <laughs> so there's value in doing research for you, and part of it sounds like it's economic. Mm-hmm. You you want to invest? You see that as investing in something, perhaps. Or putting your money, you don't want the buyer's remorse. Mm. Yeah. So research is worthwhile. Mm-hmm. But in your opinion, do you think you do it to an extreme? Or does it have value or you enjoy it while you're doing it? Um, I, I, 
I'm, I've got a very, this is not become a full session, but I've, I've got, I've, I've got a very, I've got a very addictive personality. So as Dan highlighted, I enjoy nerdy stuff. I've always loved nerdy stuff. So I watch nerdy YouTube channels, but there was a time where all I watched was nerdy YouTube channels. Um, and then like, so I had an idea of, okay, I, I, um, especially during the pandemic, okay, I need to get a home office. I need to get this, this, and this. Let me start researching the best keyboards, the best, my, the mouses, mice, mice, mouse, mouses, what, you know, whatever those are. Um, and then before you know it, you, you've watched like 200 videos on tech that you're not even, it's not, now it's more like, just, Ooh, like that's a nice one. Ooh, that's just, I'm not going to get that one, but Ooh, it's nice to see. And then you ask yourself, okay, how has this actually benefited me? So I had to pull back and stop because as Dan said, there was a point in time I had an encyclopedic knowledge of every laptop out. So I'd be like, okay, what do we need to do in this? Okay. So we need to get this model. We need to get this model. We need to get this model. Oh no. In fact, this model is 27% more expensive in South Africa than it is in America. So what we need to do is make sure we get it from America as opposed to here. And you realize at the end of the day that some of that information is useless because we, we were forced to get new laptops because one of the laptops, two of our laptops died in the same week. So it is now a matter of, okay, we know what's out there. We've, we've got uh, the funds available. Let's just get the best we can at the price available, which to a certain degree, the research helped, but now it's, it's now a, let's get the best we can get at the price available where we are right now. And then you realize all that other research, though fun, was somewhat beneficial, but not fully beneficial. So I think that's, mm. what, that's what he's alluding to. And that's what I'm alluding to is there's, there's healthy mediums. There's, sometimes it's about finding the, just the, the balance between, okay, this is the good point or the good level of knowledge to have. Anything beyond this is now just fat. So mm. plus size, plus size. Fine. <laughs> Fine. It's adipose tissue. Okay. Plus yeah, size it's knowledge. adipose tissue. <laughs> so let's go back to the project real quick. Let's go all the way back to the project and apply that. So do you get caught up in the research or do you distract yourself with the parts that are fun? I did. Now I'm at the point where I'm just like, I just need to figure out a way to get 90 minutes of quiet time without feeling guilty about it or without it having been disturbed. Uh, because so, sometimes you put all these barriers in place and people do everything they can to break through. Yeah. It's like that scene in The Shining where Johnny's breaking into the bathroom. You're like, I locked the door. Why is the axe to the door? Yeah. <laughs> What if you had just said that? I locked the door. Could you have respected if she had just said that? This is excellent, Phil. So you've gone all the way back and you figured it out. Mm. You know what I... Them, go ahead. Hold on. So if you go all the way back, what I'm hearing is that there are other people. So there's some sort of obligation to others where they make is that where the guilt come from, comes from? Is it from others? Yeah, I think ultimately it goes back to what I said in the beginning because there, there is the guilt that I'm responsible um, for someone else's livelihood. My, my biggest fear, um, and every, every month that I go through it, is like, 
Am I able to make sure that my employees are paid? Am I make, able to make sure that my obligations are met? Because that's, that's a real fear. And I never want, my, my, I, like my recurring nightmare is waking up and, and someone's done a thread about me on Twitter. Like, you won't believe who didn't pay me. There's a person mm. here. And then they tag me. Oh, ah. <laughs> where, where did that happen in your life? Where? Uh, it's never happened but i i've had i i was on the other end of it so i i remember like i had a job where i never got paid and Mm. i grew up my family grew up um owning their own businesses so i and i always had the um, instilled in me at a very young age my my parents always told me you always pay the your workers before you pay yourself so i'd literally see Mm. My parents always pay the workers before they pay themselves. And there, there would be times workers would get paid in full and we'd have peanut butter sandwiches for dinner that night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Is that how you live now? When you pay others? I mean, Dr. Narai asked and you said, no, I've never defaulted on that. But it's that fear is it the fear that you'll eat peanut butter sandwiches or is it the fear that you won't pay someone? No, it's the fear that I won't pay. I am. I, I was born in peanut butter sandwiches. You merely adopted the peanut butter. <laughs> peanut butter sandwiches are delicious. <laughs> so when you uncover that and you realize that again, what I said in the beginning is that you might have a fear of something that has never actually happened but it's Mm. the potential, but can you control it from happening? If you always pay your people, is that something you control or are there others involved in paying other pain? um, It's something I can control to a certain degree. Um, I, now now we're getting into the inner workings of my company. There has been some turmoil (laughs) um, because we've had to let a few people go and, and we're onboarding Mm -hmm. new people. So in that transition period, I there aren't people that I fully trust yet um, mm. with delegating ah. so, because they're still being trained. So that's another so, issue. It's if I if yeah. I if I was able to trust and know, okay, you know what, if I if I turn the lights off here and I know my I've got people who who've got that covered, I don't have to worry about it. I'd 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 be in a much better place. But because there's so many other moving parts here, um, with regards mm-hmm. to new team members being onboarded and so forth, it's not that easy. Um, yeah. So, so there's that. And then also, as you just mentioned, like even during this conversation, realizing that, okay, um, maybe I've always used that fear as a motivator. And it, to me, it was something mm. that I viewed as healthy because me not wanting yeah. to default on payments always mm-hmm. ensured I worked harder than everyone else. So yeah. mm-hmm. I knew I knew sometimes I knew it was somewhat irrational, but I was like, yeah, but it keeps me it keeps me motivated. So I'm fine with that. So how do we how do you twist that? How do you flip it right so that um, you get the positive a- aspect of this drive um, to pay rather than it being using the the negative aspect? Mm, I think. How do we? That's like a part two, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. I, I have to break up with Dan. I think that's the, the only way. Yeah. But but I think you also brought up something interesting about trust and fear, right? The mm. relationship between those two. 
So if you do not trust, then the fear is magnified. Mm. If you do not, yeah. That, that's a great relationship quotable, which put that on the Hallmark card. If you do not trust, it's <laughs> Instagram quote, Philip, Instagram quote. Dan mm. mm. didn't respond to your breakup. <laughs> no, I'm used to it. He, 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 he raised he, an eyebrow. He, he, he did respond. He raised an eyebrow. He threatens this like at least three times a week. He doesn't have the guts okay. to go through with it. <laughs> um, Just you wait, buddy. But, Just you wait and see. But Phil also hit on uh, Dr. Narai. I think we should coach together because the trust and fear totally goes together. And Phil also hit on fear as a motivator, which is very true. That can be a motivation, but does that kind of thought, that actual fear, provide a lot of anxiety mm-hmm. or even something else, other feelings? So is that a way to live? What if I told you this is something that I was given when I started coaching and I it was resonating through me as I was hearing you talk? But have you told yourself to do the best you can, do what you can, when you can, the best you can? That's actually Does so, that alleviate pressure for you? That that's sim- that's similar to one of the mantras I already have. But yeah, so mm-hmm. I, I I I have I have adopted that. My my mantra is just do what you can, and the rest the rest mm-hmm. of yourself out. So so that's when, a great mantra. When, when I find <laughs> and out, if you're living it. Are you living it? That's what it is. She has a feeling I was, you know, like how you have your meditation first thing in the morning. Mm. Maybe that's the time you have the 90 minutes to, to focus on your project and put your meditation somewhere, you know, some other part of the day. Could that be a plausible solution? Yeah, the way, the, way, the way my brain works, Doc. If I, if I don't get that meditation and that exercise in, it's 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 not going to be a good day. Exactly. It's it's not going to okay. be a good okay. day. Okay. So if that's your inspiration, you always need that, right? Mm. You've established that's something you need to get it going for you. Yeah. So you also exercise and you do the word things. You do the wordle, and that mm. can take five minutes or twenty minutes. Sometimes I have to put it down and walk away because I'm frustrated. Well, we, we measured in seconds here. Um, <laughs> we 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 really seconds is how we measure our wordle time. I mean, Ooh. I, I mean. Ooh, you guys got to give me some tips then. So the first so word you, is always going to be adieu. If you do adieu, and yes, then the, that's the, what I use. Then the second word is worst. Those two oh. those two words will give you the, the biggest combination of letters because. O R and S will will alleviate all other major word combinations, and then for the third word, if you don't have a hint, go for something completely different. Play that, and then by letter, by word four, bam, sorted. It, so it's so full I, I have a different viewpoint. I rather start off my first word with the most popular letter combinations rather than all the vowels. Uh, so my first word is almost always crane. Sometimes I I go with with trace or crate. And then my second word is typically mold or fight. That way I've covered all the, all the, uh, the major vowels. And then I also cover all the, the most popular or the most common letters. S no longer falls in the most common because uh, there's no plurals in, in Wordle. So that's how you do it. Uh, By the time you've done those two words, you have a pretty solid idea of what the next word is going to be. Wow. There's no plurals? I didn't know that. No plurals in Wordle. <laughs> 
So the letter S I is far less know. it's far less popular than it normally would be in the English language. You've made me so much smarter already. I like mite and ducky. <laughs> when you try to <laughs> I was with you on mite and then ducky. ducky. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> because they have all those like unused kind of ones that we mm. use in the major words like crate or something like mm. that so all right back to fell <laughs> we're, we're digressing and i want to make sure we get him mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um to a point where he is he is sitting well so when you think about your schedule and Arai mentioned maybe it was not the meditation but that's important so what would you cut out where can you carve out 90 minutes so it'll be immediately after the workout. So, um, and okay. I have, I have done, there have been some times that I've been able to do that. So it, it okay. just, it just requires me waking up earlier. So instead of waking up at six, I have to wake up at five. So with five, I can get my meditation and get my workout in, take my cold shower and then go straight to work. And then by 8 a.m., I'm done with the deep work and then I just move on to the day. Um, but you know, do you think that would, do you think that would help you? I mean, I don't, and I don't want you to get less sleep. So that's not necessary. Yeah. Um, I've just had some, so the other day I've had some health issues that have made it difficult to get less sleep and sleep earlier. So I've now addressed those. It looks like Okay. I, I just got my blood work done. So I, that, that, that's the strategy. So it was, those was just okay. a bunch of things. Cause like I had a lot of stress, you know, just being in Zimbabwe, it's very stressful. Um, the, my doctor literally just said, your health is amazing. It's just that you live in Zimbabwe. So. Mm-hmm. so Dr. Narai, are you as doctor? <laughs> <laughs> in the morning, there's a 90 minutes. <laughs> uh, that was cold. That was cold. That was cold. That was cold. <laughs> I'm totally joking, guys. Because, you know, it's a joking and serious situation we're all friends right we're we're just acknowledging a great joke that was that was just a great job like you got it right the timing (laughs) the impact mm, delivery just (laughs) excellent it made you guys crack up twice i think we're doing okay um so with your schedule then and again is this is there something else you mentioned waking up earlier or is there something you could remove so you don't have to wake up earlier or that you're willing to. That's the key. What mm. are you willing to do? Because it's time. a practice. And this is one of the things we teach in coaching. A, a tool we use is setting intentions. Yes. This will help you with your fear. You mentioned goals. Do you? What is your perception of intention versus a goal? Are they the same? Are they different? Um, I, I would view a goal as uh, to simplify it. I'd view a goal as a noun and the, the intention is the, the verb behind that. So I may, I may intend to do something, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to get done because it's an abstract verb to me. Ah, so is it safe for you to say, I'm willing to practice setting aside 90 minutes for deep work once a week. This is a starting point. Yes. 
So that that that, that is I that really something you're willing. Yes, that is something you're I really willing. Do. I I do that on on, my, on on a digital Sabbath. So every Sunday I turn off all all internet, um, and I normally do whatever I want, but I also make sure that I get deep work in. So at least once a week, we're, we're golden. It's the other six awesome. days that that. So, but who says you have to do it every day? Ding ding. Who says that? <laughs> the dead. The deadlines. <laughs> when is your deadline? When is this mysterious? Oh, deadline? I'm 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 way past my deadline. I'm way way way. Oh, way no, way. that's not the question. When is it? <laughs> it's way, way, way. So I. I, I so weirdly enough, just earlier today, I, I'd also figured out something else that I'm going to do. I, I also do. I'm also trying to balance, you know, like just getting practical advice um, and also making yes. sure that it, it, it's helpful to the listeners without giving away too yes. much information, because the, there is yeah. stuff that, that that I have done internally to also address it. But I, I think what, what you guys have said is very helpful. And I, um, okay. and I see the value in it, definitely. And I do appreciate it. Um, I do think, yeah, maybe it's also just being kind to myself. So I've, I've also realized like. Mondays, for example, bec- because of the nature of my work and the nature of people, and even um, because on Sundays, because I get so much work done, my brain's like, nah, dog, <laughs> we're not doing that. So I now set yeah. aside Mondays to just catch up with with work, planning for the week, and then like doing all my reading. So that's that's another thing I've started yeah. learning to do is because the way my brain works is, it's very difficult for me to like read a, a hundred page report, for example, in between a busy work day. But if I set aside a day mm-hmm. where I'm just reading, I, I'm a lot more productive in that thing. So sometimes segmenting my days and saying, okay, this is the reading day. This is the work day. Mm-hmm. This is the meeting day, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. That's, that's so, so cool. Cause my sister was just telling me that like, even um, not like for me, not seeing patients, every day of the week that I should have one day where I'm like just, you know, um, catching up and reading and researching because, because that's important. So that's, yeah, you're, you're miles ahead, Phil. So good for you. Yeah. Yeah. When I asked if he was willing to practice one day a week, what did he say? I'm already doing it. Yeah. I'm already, you're already doing it. Now, if Sunday's the day for reading and maybe that's not the day, maybe you find another or maybe you want two days a week. But Mm. in breaking down and this is something fear does, we're like, oh, my gosh, we got to do it and we have to fix it. And we have to. You know, from routines and scheduling, look, we're all accomplished working people out in the world and we all need help with this, including myself. I'm a coach. But it doesn't mean that I have all the answers or I don't struggle with things myself. Personally, I struggle with the same things Phil does. I get interested in stuff. I want to read. I start researching. I fall down the rabbit hole. I'm like, oh, no, now I got to do this. So how do you make your time work for yourself? And ultimately, this comes down to it's a tired analogy but i like it because it didn't make sense to me personally till fearless living but how do you put the oxygen mask on yourself and truly if you're not breathing you can't help others Mm. it is true you have to be able to breathe in order to support somebody else 
So how do you help yourself breathe more? What are those things? And if for you doing 20 minutes, an hour of word puzzles gets you in a good space and clears your mind and helps you, then maybe that is most of value to you. And it does not matter what other people think of that or how they judge it or if they make comments or poke fun at it. Is it serving you in a way you need? Because we all need to be productive at our jobs, but we also need balance. You talked a lot about balance and what here's another thing. Balance doesn't always look like this. I'm a Libra. I always thought those balance scales were like, you have to be exactly balanced. It doesn't always look that way because sometimes work is more. Sometimes your personal life has things that have more. But what creates the balance for Phil? What creates the balance for Dan? What creates the balance for Narai? What, you know, it's different. And it may be different based on a certain period of time. So you're mm. doing an excellent job, Phil. Mm. I think the key for you is to, I would encourage you just in this short conversation to give yourself acknowledgements and acknowledging mm. yourself. You literally say, I acknowledge myself for, for me, here's one. I acknowledge myself for joining this podcast. That was, and it's, it's not because I didn't want to. There's a little fear behind all those kinds of things for me. I'm a new coach. I haven't done a bunch of these. So that's something I would acknowledge myself for. It's any progress forward. And this comes to breaking it down. If you did 90 minutes this week, you did it. That is a movement forward. And if you haven't practiced doing 90 minutes, for yourself of deep work on a regular basis, that's going to feel new. And anything, anytime you try something new, fear comes up. When you are growing, fear comes up. It's not just when you're scared. And it doesn't matter if it's a perceived fear, your body responds the same. Whether you're facing a snake, you see something in the grass, you think it's a snake and you're like, oh my gosh. And you find out it's just a piece of tire. When you get up close, mm. that's the awareness and the examination. This sounds very specific. I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> that's an example Rhonda uses in her book where she talks about the fear and how the brain responds. So if you have an emotional fear and if it's not fulfilling your clients, if it's not being productive, if it's not, we all have multiple fears, then you're going to have a reaction regardless mm. because you're perceiving fear but mm. once you recognize hey i i'm worried or i'm afraid my clients won't respond or be fulfilled or this will interfere it's really just tackling and breaking it down and that's what happens in coaching as you've so beautifully illustrated mm. so I, I think you're right i need to acknowledge how amazing i am i don't do that enough so let's Let's acknowledge, let's acknowledge, but it has to be specific. So I want to hear you acknowledge something that's specific about an action or a movement forward. I acknowledge that I'm amazing. <laughs> Guys, hold your applause, hold your applause. <laughs> no. How about something specific? I'm going to challenge you. Okay. I, I, I acknowledge 
that I'll I'll do the best I can. I'll set aside the time. I'll make the intention, and and I'll do the best I can within that. And if I don't, it's fine. But if I do, thumbs up, more cheesecake. Woo! Let's hear the ah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, 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 I hate to interrupt this session, but uh, going forward, I think you need to you need to book some time, Philip. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just got a free, I just got a whole free coaching session. You gotta, you got, you gotta know how to finesse. People haven't learned our racket yet. You know, we're really we're finessing all these professionals. This is, what, this is, what, this is what we've been doing. Manifestguides.com. Book your session. Yes, please, please do let us know. Please do let us know where people can get in touch with you, there, Carolyn. Yes, manifest guides. So M A N I F E S T G U I D E S dot com. Yes, so just to help you, you with this, with the spelling. There. It's like many, but spelled with a Y, with an I instead of a Y, and then first, but with an E instead of I R. That's manifest, and then guides like oh, guy, but then you put gonna, I, and then G E S. Sorry, just you that. got it. Manifest, uh, manifest it's, yourself. It's just I we use mnemonic devices, you know, to remember. Then I yeah. think I've got to know. So, so definitely, we'll also put it. a link up in the show description, so you'll be able to go there. But this was actually great. This is this is probably one of our, our better because there was practical, you know, practical advice. Um, we we had a great guest last week who was very 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 hesitant to provide any form of of, of coaching for free. She was like, "Guys, okay, my bank has not notified me that this payment has gone through, so there shall be nothing of the sort." <laughs> I'll have to say that's a challenge for me as a coach because you want to charge. And you do put things out there, but it's it's been a challenge. You know, I do this to transition my career and I do need to make money, but I love, I genuinely love helping people. Well, this is going to pay for itself, Carolyn, because yeah. I think you're, you're going to need to hire someone just to sort the requests you're going to receive in your inbox after yeah. this one. <laughs> and I think that practically like yeah. me seeing it, I can also see the value in having someone to bounce all this off of. And I'm sure our listeners can see it too, because as, as we've mentioned, I mean, I'm a high functioning individual. Okay. If I'm struggling, we know regular people are too, you know, not mm-hmm. everyone can be like me guys. Okay. <laughs> so we all need help. We all need coaching. And you've now seen the practical, the practical advice and the tips you guys can get so that one day you too can be like, Phil. all right. All right. Thank you very much, Carolyn, for coming <laughs> through. And we appreciate you for sharing your knowledge and your, your enthusiasm for life coaching. Thank you as usual. <laughs> Dr. Nurai for bringing us your your dearest and closest friends to to speak with us onto the podcast. We appreciate you as always. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been a podcast by Two Broke Twimbos. It's called Mental Wellness Mondays. If you are interested in hearing shenanigans and jokes and funny stuff apart from the more serious conversations we have here, we do have our other podcast, the main Two Broke Twimbos podcast. But otherwise, please head on over to twobroketwimbos.com forward slash help to find resources that can help you if you need them in whatever area you're in. You can also find a place there where you can anonymously submit uh, questions, problems, issues that you might have that we can put in front of professionals. And then uh, you can get some help there as well. So uh, once again, thank you very much, ladies, for joining us. And uh, we will catch you. you guys in the next episode. Thank you so much.